This is the Property Solopreneur Podcast, and I'm Rachel Troughton. I'll be talking about everything you need to create wealth by building your portfolio in a sustainable and profitable way. I'll be sharing the realities of a property investing business. I'll talk bricks and mortar, buy to let, HMOs, flipping and planning game, as that's what we all enjoy doing. But I'll also share how to use good systems, processes, and find the right professionals to work with. In fact, everything that will enable you to become a successful property solopreneur. Today, we're talking about being your own bank and a really fabulous concept. And, you know, it can be done in so many different ways. I'm my biggest banker, but I don't use a SAS pension. Because as you all know, I don't have one because I moved so many times. I found my own way of doing things. But there are lots of you out there who have pensions that you can turn into SAS pensions, something I know absolutely nothing about. And more of us should try and find the information that we need. Because as all property projects need funding, and there are many different ways to do this, but you know, sometimes you don't want bridging and you don't want to use investor or angel funds. So why not find out more? So this is our topic of conversation with Chris Jones this morning, who runs the Marlowe SAS meeting, which is one of those amazing niche meetings for property that you should really find if you want to get serious about building and scaling yourself. Now, I will give you a bit of a warning here. Despite our best efforts, it was extremely icy and snowy this morning, which meant the internet was not as crisp and as clear as it normally is. I know, very unhelpful. So do please forgive me for the slight fuzziness ever so often in the recording, but the nuggets that Chris gives us Oh, they are so worth listening to. Well, hello. Today, I'm very excited to have Chris Jones with me, who many of you will already know from uh, being around and about in the property world. But the reason we're talking today is that she runs the amazing Marlowe Sass property meeting. And why I want her to talk about her meeting is that property meetings are not all equal. There are some times in your property journey or what you're doing when you need extra information and you need it to be with experts for people who can ask intelligent questions. And at the moment, Chris, you're one of those who have had to put your wonderful meeting because I've been with you in the room, which is just so fun and buzzy because it's one of those really small interactive meetings. You've had to go online and this hasn't prevented you from doing exactly what you want. But I'd love you to tell us why you started up such a niche property meet. I started the SAS property meet it's actually the Marlowe SAS property meet, when I actually wanted to learn more about SAS myself. So I've been a property developer and a property investor for around about 14 years now. Gradually, I started to hear more and more people talking about SAS pensions. And it was a bit like Fight Club. Everybody kind of had one or people had them in the background, but nobody talked about them. And I wanted to learn more about them because... It made sense to then tie it up with what I was doing in commercial property because you can actually hold commercial property in a SAS. Absolutely. So, so for those of you who've never come across SAS, what does SAS stand for? I knew you were going to apart ask me from that. sounding like some Scandinavian airliner. Sure. It's small self-administered scheme. 
So basically, it's a way of controlling your own pension money. And it's then up to you how you invest it. So it's very, very flexible. You can't hold residential property in a SAS, but you can hold commercial property in a SAS. And you can also do things called loan backs from a SAS. You borrow money from your SAS pension and you can use it to develop property. It's a way of actually becoming your own bank. Absolutely. Which that, and that is what people really find attractive, isn't it? Because it's your money that you can use. Um, there are rules and regulations about it. And that's why I thought it was so important that people should go to the meeting and find more information out. And there was another thing that I've picked up because we talk regularly and uh, you know a lot of my clients and they know you. SAS is a marvellous thing, but to get it to work, you have to think about it in advance. How long did it take you when you went, right, okay, let's sort out the SAS from first thought to actually being able to use that money? Well, yes. To actually set up a SAS with HMRC probably takes about three to four months. That's the relatively quick part of it. To actually transfer your pension funds across into your SAS, that can be as long as a piece of string. To There are two types of pensions that people have. They're called DB and DC pensions. To transfer your DB pension is very difficult getting harder to transfer your normal defined contribution pensions in that's much quicker so we managed to get all of our defined contribution pensions across in about four months so four months to set up the scheme with hmrc and four months to transfer our communal garden pensions across that was easy to try and transfer db pensions which is a defined benefit pension took a lot lot longer they are kind of the gold standard pension where you've got a guaranteed amount of money that's going to be paid out each month and it's one of those that People don't want you to move your money from it. They want you to have a very, very good reason as to why you're moving your money from that type of pension. And for some people, it's not the right thing to do. So you have to jump through an awful lot of hurdles in order to get out of the other side. And that's as it should be, isn't it? I mean, this this terribly important stuff. This is not, let's just squander our pension age 55 and then I'll live on bread and milk for the rest of my life. So you can see that it does take time. But once you've got it in place, you then, I know you picked this up on the last meeting I attended of yours, you've got to use it. It's a use it or lose it kind of situation, isn't it? So if you're going to go... You have to treat your SAS like a business. So once your funds are in there, you have to get those funds working. Otherwise, inflation will just shrink your funds. And that, that was a really key point that most of your room had not worked out. And I know from working, you know, and talking to you regularly that you always have a project on the go and then you have one coming up along behind because it is something you need to keep going. And you've had a really exciting project that you've been able to use your funds for recently because you're the proud owner of a tattoo studio, aren't you? (laughs) Which isn't something that most people who know you would ever, ever think you would get involved in. But hey, that's commercial, isn't it? So what is the difference between financing a project with a SAS pension money or just borrowing it from another investor or bank? 
you still have to meet all HMRC's requirements. So you still have to have a RICS valuation fund. You still have to be able to show that it's profitable. You need to be able to pay it back if you're doing it as a loan back. So there are requirements that you have to meet. And HMRC is very, very strict on you meeting those requirements. The penalties for not are quite severe. Oh, are they? What? Like what? Like what? Don't tell me there's a penalty and I don't know about it. What, what is a penalty they could inflict on you? They can bring you up to 50% of what it is you've actually borrowed. Oh, my gosh. It's severe. You behave yourself. Yeah, because, I mean, from what I gather, some of people's pension pots are financing quite big deals. I've got friends of mine with million-pound pension pots. Yeah. I wish mine was that big. It's not. But there are some very large pension pots out there. And, and can finance some very large deals. And, yeah. of course, the other thing about it is, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is how what I'd gathered, is that you are growing your pension pot by doing all this work with your money, aren't you? So you right. will end up with a bigger pension pot than if you'd just left it bubbling along doing not a lot. So I'm not a pension expert. No. So you want to learn a lot about it. One of the reasons why we have SAS group is we're a support group. We get different people to come and speak so that you can actually learn more about SASs. So I'm going to be very careful about some of the things I say here because I'm not the right person to be advising on this. I run a support group so that you can learn more rather than being a pension expert. And that's what's so fantastic because it's very easy in today's society to think you can learn everything off YouTube and everything off reading an Instagram post or a Facebook post. Whereas actually, when you start working in any of these areas to do with funding and property, you need to know what's going on. So you need to have the information up front. And the only place you can really get that from is an expert. And without sort of knowing what you don't know, it's impossible to find those people, which is why going to a specialist group like yours is so good. And so I definitely felt some of your people who attended didn't ask enough questions because this was their golden moment because actually do you know none of us know enough about this stuff so any question that gets asked is not a stupid question and I know that over a course of the year it's your meeting's been going for quite a while now you've had amazing collection of speakers you know who has spoken with you and what did they tell your attendees we have we tend to do two different types of speaking so sometimes we will have projects that are people have actually are actually showing their own project and then discussing how they use the SAS to to actually fund that project and some of the intricacies of the deal that when you hear the broad streak, you don't get the intricacies of actually if you develop it this far and then take it out of your SAS, it means one thing, but actually you ought to be developing it outside of your SAS and doing the money via a loan back. So one of the great things about watching real deals is you get to see the strategies behind them and which bits worked and which bits didn't and which bits to be careful for of in future. But then you also get SAS experts who actually are SAS pension providers to talk as well. So those will give you the pure SAS details, what you're allowed to invest in, because it's not just property. You can invest in builds and bonds, you can invest in the stock market, 
you can put money back from your own company so that the profits from my development company, if I don't need them, can go into my SaaS. And then there are tax benefits for putting them straight into your SaaS rather than drawing them through the company because it's a pension contribution. And so this is very Um, much, uh, you know, my bag, which is property unfortunately has a habit of pulling people in thinking this is all just a jolly lark and it's paintbrush and a bit of sealant and isn't it all fun whereas actually we've all got property businesses with property with a small p and so therefore you have to take it extremely seriously and you have to make sure that you've got key people on board like a tax advisor and like a finance director and going to a meeting such as yours I'm afraid it will open the eyes to many people that, yes, they can do X, Y and Z. And isn't this an exciting idea? But also the fact that they may not be running their property companies quite as they should be because they're not keeping their eye on the the really key stuff, which is finance. The more I got into property, the more I realised that the tax and finance side of things was as important as the deal. You can have a fantastic deal that's going to pay you 20, 30, 40%. But if you don't keep an eye on the tax side of it, you can hand a big chunk of that straight over to the government. And I'm not talking about tax evasion. I'm just talking about being tax savvy. And that's when SAS pensions can be really useful. And also, if you've ever worked with bridging companies, which I do regularly, when you look at all of the hidden costs in bridging finance, you don't get those when you're borrowing money from your own SAS. So you're being your own bank, aren't you? Yeah. Pardon? You're being your own bank. Totally. That's the bit that really got me interested in SAS, was the ability to be our own bank. And it's quicker. So once you learn what you have to do and what you've got to prep in advance, it's actually much quicker to get the money out from your SAS to use it and then put it back again, obviously, so you can recycle it again for the next deal. But that is that working with people you work with all the time. And also is one of the things that, you know, I don't use SAS money, so I know nothing about it. But one of the things that has always struck me is that Many, many commercial properties don't come as just commercial, do they? They have little bits that are uh, residential. I mean, yours does. It has a lovely flat. And that's what... Well, it came all as commercial. Part of it will become a flat later. Really? The downstairs was commercial and upstairs was commercial too. So fantastic. So this, this, this again is broadening people's horizons as to what the possibilities are. Because on headline news is got to be commercial. Whereas you've gone, yeah, that's very true, but I can take a building, I can make part of it commercial, I can sort that out. I can then also hive off a bit that's going to be residential. Are you keeping that residential thing? Oh, totally. Yes. It's in, that particular property is in a fantastic area that's on the up. So what we're actually doing with it is the downstairs parts, the two shops, have gone into our sasses. The upstairs parts have been refinanced by using what's called a loan back from the SAS so that we can develop those two properties with developing a two-bed flat and a one-bed cottage at the back. And at the moment, we got out of the bridging loan by refinancing them using a loan back from the SAS. We will then develop those into the two-bed flat and the one-bed cottage. We'll refinance them on a buy-to-let mortgage. 
and we'll put the money back into the SAS that we borrowed from the SAS. So at the end of the deal, we will end up with two shops that are held in the SAS, two residential properties that are held outside of the SAS, which borrowed money from the SAS and then paid it back when we finished. So it's a, so I, so what you've just outlined is an incredibly flexible arrangement where you're in control of the money, which is something you don't hear really when people are borrowing a lot from bridging. The bridging company is in control as is time. Whereas, you know, this seems really useful, very flexible, but my word, it really points to the fact that you've got a lot of information in your head and Everybody who works this way has got to have that information. It's not for the faint-hearted, it's for the well-informed. And there's only one way to be informed, and that's by going and asking proper questions to the right people. Two years ago, I knew nothing of this. Literally, and actually, maybe three years ago. Three years ago, I barely knew anything about SASs. I set up a SAS meeting, I got people to come and talk about their deals, I watched the way they put their deals together, I asked questions about how they put their deals together, and gradually you learn their stuff. Yes, because you go, Oh my goodness, this is so flexible. So you have the hurdle to set your SAS initially, which is quite painful, but then once you've got it, the flexibility you've got, providing you stay within the rules is fantastic. And that is something that you're very good at because I have heard you ask questions publicly where half the room is going, oh, I can't believe she doesn't know that. And the other half of the room is going, oh, thank goodness somebody asked that question. I hadn't a clue what they were talking about. And there is this perception sometimes that when you go to a property meeting, you've got to be a professional because we're all property professionals. Well, actually, some of us are just starting out and we could be really, we could be very advanced in one area and this could be the first time we're doing something. So we mustn't be frightened of asking that baseline question and getting an answer because also, of course, the rules change, don't they? So somebody who thinks they're really up and with it and never asks that really ordinary question again could be getting it wrong. So if you are in a room when someone asks a very mundane question, we should all just look at them and go, oh, that's a great question. Don't And don't make people feel embarrassed or slightly, um, you know, silly about asking it. We support it. In our group, we actively encourage people to ask any question that they think of. There is no question that is a tough question. And also, as you rightly say, there will be somebody else in the room going, crikey, I don't know the answer to that. Thank goodness they are. And also, you, your meeting is very small. It's not a room of 100 people. It, it, you, and we don't uh, want to be. No. And that's one of the reasons I liked it was because when you're in the real world, you know, <laughs> which hopefully we will get back to fairly shortly, um, you have designed your meet to fit in a specific room. So it can yeah. never outgrow that room because the room contains enough people to make it very viable, but small enough so that everyone gets to know one another and the new people can be interacted with and everyone feels comfortable. Because it's a learning That's space, exactly isn't what it? We, did. We, we actually, I remember somebody saying to me when we used to meet in a pub, we had a private room in a pub. And I remember somebody saying to me, this is growing so fast. What are you going to do when you outgrow the room? And I said, we're not. At that point, we'll cap the numbers and people will book in advance quickly to get space in that room. Because what we wanted to do was keep it as a small, friendly meet 
so that you get to know faces, you get to know the regulars, and the regulars get to recognise people that are new and welcome them into the group and help them feel comfortable and help them ask questions. If you end up with a room of 100, you end up only speaking to one person on either side of you, and it all feels really intimidating. If you're a room in a room of sort of 25 to 30, actually you can feel very warm and welcoming and you go to meet friends or you get to make friends within that group. And we've got some great friendships and partnerships that have already come out of people meeting in that room. Absolutely. And so that that's really important. And the other thing that I've just gained from what you've just said is that in the same way we always talk about in property, you've got to be an action taker. In order to join in with your meet, because I think when you get back in the room, it's going to be extremely oversubscribed, you're going to have to watch out for your emails and your listings on your posts on Instagram and Facebook. When it says book now, you've jolly well got to go and stop and go and press book now, because otherwise you're going to find you've missed out, haven't you? And so yes. where do I know you've got a Facebook group. What is the name of your Facebook group so people can come and start running in ready to go? Because you've got meetings online at the moment, haven't you? But where's That's your right. Facebook? So my Facebook group is the Marlow Sass Property Meet. And Sass is S-S-A-S. So Marlow Sass Property Meet is our Facebook group. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's Bay Tree Property, which is my development company. So we've just moved on to Instagram. We're new for 2022 on Instagram and we're going to be regularly posting on there too. And we'll also show some of our projects as well. But we will be doing updates on who's speaking at the SAS meeting, reminders of the SAS meeting, and we'll show some old photographs from some of the previous SAS Now, that that's fantastic. But I know that there are some of us who are not great on Facebook. We're not great on Instagram, frankly, that we're all too busy doing real stuff. Is there an email that they can send a message to to get on your mailing list so they don't miss out on joining in and getting into your group? They send an email to hello at baytreeproperty.co.uk. That would be great. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. I know we've had technical difficulties because of sound and everything else, but so I hope everyone manages to get the most out of it. But it, this is why property can make me so excited because it's not one size fits all. The finance is not one size fits all. And in order for us all to do what we really, really want to do and get the most out of our property, we've got to seek out people like you, haven't we? We've got to seek out those who've, who've got something a little bit different in a property network meeting so we can go and join in because actually we need for something like finance we need in-depth knowledge not breadth isn't it it is come and join us we're friendly you can just come and hang out with us learn a little bit more about SAS and if you think it's the right thing for you then we'll help you along that route vice versa if you if you come and join us and it scares the bejesus out of you that's absolutely fine too uh, but at least that way you'll know more about it Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Chris. It has been most enlightening and I can't wait till you get back in the room and we can all come and join in again. So thank you very much. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Property Solopreneur podcast with Rachel Troughton. If you want to create a professional and profitable property business, download my property business checklist now at racheltroughton.com slash checklist.